Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hello, Clever Investors, and welcome to another show. Benjamin Graham was a British-born American economist, professor and investor, and really one of the granddaddies of modern-day economics theory and also the thoughts behind it. One of his famous sayings was, the investor's chief problem and even his worst enemy is likely to be himself. Now, I spent years making up numbers for people, figuring out their financial issues, showing them how they could buy properties and, and getting them the, the right finance and solutions for it. But so many of these people that I got pre-approvals for failed to take the next steps. For some of them, it would all just become too much. They'd be overthinking things. Today, we're not just taking a peek behind the curtain of the finance world, but I want to actually lift the top off your head and show you what's going on inside there. But I don't want to do this alone. I can't do this alone. This is not my area of expertise, peering into the mine. So we've got Dr. Tony Hayek back, who is somebody that I remember famously saying to me, I know people. (laughs) That sounds weird. Tell us a bit about the, the Tony story then. My academic background, which a lot of people know, but many don't, is actually in psychology. So the psychology of investing is very uh, appropriate as a topic for us to discuss today. But uh, I did a PhD in organisational psychology and um, a lot of people say to me, oh, Tony, you never really worked in psychology. And my response to that is I work in psychology every day. When you're dealing with people, your understanding of – the psychology behind people's decision-making, behind their insecurities, behind their bravado, behind their ego, behind um, what makes up their personality is critical in your ability to understand them, to help them, or maybe even to avoid them. So psychology is everywhere. It's in everything. And uh, I don't think too many people understand it very well. I think – I think people like psychology and the thought of psychology as a concept. It's certainly become a a much more popular study topic. You know, I did my degrees in the 90s and uh, when mental health and psychology and therapy and was really just a topic on American sitcoms, yeah, Um, whereas now it's uh, quite a common conversation amongst, you know, mates having a beer at the pub. There's been a lot of um, common causes around bringing mental health to the forefront of uh, conversation, community, uh, politics, sport. We're seeing that more and more. You know, we, you and I are mad rugby league fans and we know yeah, that yeah. that was a sport that was built on the back of toughness and bravado. And not, not being vulnerable. And not being vulnerable. And now you have uh, uh, athletes coming out and saying that they're struggling with their mental health and getting support from the community. And, and like everything, there's always going to be that sort of sniggering bunch of people in the corner who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on, mate, 
you know. Which are normally the people that probably actually need some mental health work. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So um, I think the more we acknowledge the importance of uh, our mindset and our psychological state and our emotional state, the more common and more um, available the information about psychology. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I started in this industry, as you know, more than 20 years ago, and the concept of doing a presentation in front of hundreds of people about the psychology of investing would have been a bit weird. It, 100%, I agree with that, weird. absolutely. Now, as you know, I recently presented a, a psychology topic, a, a psychology of decision-making topic at the MFAA conference. Which is the, for those that don't know, it's the Mortgage and Finance Association of Australia. It's the, the, the leading... Um, um, I've, I've gone blank. Association. With Association. Yeah, for, for mortgage brokers, yeah, representative yeah. body. And they do some amazing stuff. I mean, we went to the conference and I spoke there and it was, um, I was told, the, the by far the most popular topic, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah, People love the concept of psychology. So I think the fact that you're doing this uh, today as a, as a Clever Investor podcast episode um, is awesome, and I think uh, I think it'll be very popular. Then going back to um, Benjamin Graham's famous quote: "There, the the investor's chief problem, and even his worst enemy, is likely to be himself." Now, that's certainly something that that I saw years ago, and without a lack of knowledge and understanding, I would be frustrated with people for for not, you know, like I've done all this work to get you a pre-approval. Why are you not going and buying a property? And as a mortgage broker back then, I didn't get paid until they had bought a property and we'd settled the loan. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, we don't even need to go there, do we? No. We could, we could apply that line to ourselves in many different ways, yeah. Um, the, if, we, if we remove the word uh, investor – and just say people's chief problem and their worst enemy is generally themselves, mm. we can apply that to starting a business, to work, to investment, to marriage, to relation, friendships, uh, relationships with children, relationships with parents. Most of the challenges we face in our, uh, in our lives are self-generated. Yeah, they're self-generated. And I think it's uh, your ability to understand um, where that comes from uh, and, and the, your consciousness of your own Strengths and weaknesses is a critical part of the of your quality of life, essentially. Yeah, you know, we all know people that are uh, that are you know things always happen to them. You know, they're victims, no matter what. Yeah, you know, that's not an accident. You know, it's somebody who's attracting everything that is possibly negative and then interpreting everything that comes their way in a negative way. Mm. And so, psychology is at the core of all of that. But uh, I know today you want to talk about the psychology of investing, so let's uh, let's stick with that. Maybe we'll do another pure psychology uh, conversation another day on a co- on a podcast not called the Clever Investor. Well, we can we can. I, I know it's a huge part of. Um, Sorry, that was me. This my, is my best. <laughs> this is the fourth <laughs> podcast Tony's been on this week, and he still hasn't learned about sound. Um, <laughs> When we first started sort of working closely together years ago, psychology was a was a huge part of that. You taught me a lot uh, about it and understanding um, all of that. So this is a subject that we could definitely keep the lid off for a lot of topics, a lot of things that we do, and and certainly in my work now, it's it's a huge part of it. Actually, yep. actually understanding it, and I and I'm actually blessed because we both sort of got kids around the same age that there's a. Uh, 
there's much more of an embracing and an understanding about um, how people are feeling. Yep, absolutely. Just more widely accepted. And I think, you know, the more um, the more conversation there is about it, then uh, the more awareness and therefore the better understanding. And yeah, you just get, you just get positive progress. Yeah, mm. positive progress on psychology. And so if we talk about the psychology of investing as a concept, uh, for me, it, it goes back to uh, a basic human instinct. Mm. And essentially humans are motivated by two our two most significant instincts and that is uh, fear yeah. and greed. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So – how can I best describe this to people? It's uh, for me. I always use the example of the carrot and the stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm motivated by stick, then I am afraid. Yeah, that's fear, fear based, yeah. fear based motivation. If I'm motivated by the carrot, then that's greed based motivation. And when I say greed, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, um, I mean that you're moving towards something. Yeah. yeah. So if you're motivated by the stick, you're moving away from something. If you're motivated by the carrot, you're moving towards something. And if I give you an example of that, uh, Owen, uh, I want to be wealthy because I don't. I want to be able to afford to eat when I retire. Yep. Yeah, that's motivated by the stick. They're okay. moving away from something. What are they moving away from? They're moving away from hunger. They're moving away from homelessness. They're moving away from starvation. Yeah. You know. So that that's fear-based stuff. I'm going to be poor. Yeah. Whereas if I'm motivated by the carrot, you know what, Owen. I want to invest because I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. I want to create wealth for myself so I can fly overseas business class and I can stay at five-star hotels and I can drive nice cars. So that's a completely different type of motivation. Now I'm moving towards something. I'm not afraid of becoming poor. I'm motivated to become rich. And they're two different motivations. Now, people ask me all the time, which one of those two, Tony, is more common? Well, I think you know that. I think most people, if they stopped and looked around – at themselves, at their family, at their friends, would be able to answer that question very, very simply. Uh, fear is by far uh, the more common motivator. Yeah, people, um, people are motivated by moving away from things rather than moving towards things, and and sometimes that's um, comes from their family and from their friends, and sometimes it's uh, societal and sometimes it's cultural and for a whole different reason. And quite often it's individual. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You might have two or three different people in the same household that are motivated in slightly different ways. And I always give the example of my children, you know. Um, and maybe I won't say their names because they're recorded. this is recorded and it'll get back to them. But they'll probably they'll know what I'm talking about. But, you know, if you've got two children, one's motivated by the stick and one's motivated by the carrot, well, you can't bring them up the same way. You know, parents sometimes, you know, say, oh, that's not fair. You should, you know, the, all the kids should be treated the same. And so, well, nah, it doesn't work that way. Mm. Yeah, You'd like, We'd love to think it'll work that way because it'd be easier. But I have three children. If I just use example of two of them, one one motivated by the stick and one motivated by the carrot, you know. One of them, if I threaten them, they'd laugh at me. <laughs> yeah, so, But if I promise them an upside to whatever I want them to do, clean your room and you can have a friend over, mate, that room will be clean in eight minutes. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Uh, whereas if they're motivated by the stick, I so say clean your room or I'm going to break your legs, then if they're motivated by the stick, they'll clean their room. If they're motivated by the carrot, they'll laugh. So – Understanding the person you're communicating with 
is a critical part of your ability to sell them the concept that you believe is in their best interests. Yeah? So for us, for example, we want them to invest in property because we believe it's going to help them make money. But there's no point talking to somebody who's motivated by fear about them flying business class overseas because that's not what motivates them. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk to them about the fact that this is going to help them to make sure that they have a comfortable retirement and not end up with nothing. Mm. Because that's what motivates them, the fee, the moving away from that. Yeah, yeah. not being reliant on the pension. Correct. Yeah. Not being reliant on the pension, not being reliant on, on, on their children, for example, as they age or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. So, And, you know, sometimes people ask me, oh, how do I find out what someone is motivated by? Well, you have to ask them. And quite often, I think, um, particularly in our industry, a lot of people like to do more talking than they do listening. You know? So if I ask somebody, if I ask a client of ours, you know, John, what are you motivated by? Why do you want to invest? You can pretty much tell from their answer what kind of person they are, mm. what they're motivated by. Because ultimately what we want to try and do is give people comfort around the decisions that they're making. Yeah? Yeah. We're not, we're not here to push – our agenda on people's emotions or, or our agenda on their motivations or our agenda on their lifestyle or what their future looks like. Our job is not only to help them invest in an asset that's going to grow, but to give them comfort around that decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a multidimensional process. And, um, and it's something that all of uh, the team, all of our teammates all understand. Yeah. We all, we all, uh, we're all exposed to this kind of conversation here at the office. We talk about it a lot. Uh, everybody's seen me present that presentation. In fact, I presented it to the team. And so um, gaining clarity around that is very important. Yeah, Gaining clarity about the person who you are charged with supporting, whether it be for investing or anything else, allows you to be able to deliver that much better if you have a clearer understanding of what they're motivated by. And does it matter to the individual? Now, if someone's listening to this podcast now – and they're going, oh, I've just realised I'm motivated by the stick or I'm motivated by the carrot. <laughs> um, uh, does it matter what one they are? Do they need to shift from one not, to the not other? Not necessarily. And, you, and you'll find that some people, you know, if you look at it as a scale, all right, you know, I carry around a one-metre ruler around the office. But if you, if you looked at it as a scale, um, some people are very, very stick and some people are very, very carrot. Uh, and most of us are somewhere in between. You know, and sometimes we're more motivated by the stick in some environments and more motivated by the carrot in other environments, yeah? So when it comes to money, we might be more motivated by the carrot and when it comes to relationships, we might, might be more motivated by the stick. I don't want to ask that girl out because she says no. Someone who is motivated by the carrot, well, I'm going to ask that girl out because if she says yes, wow, what a life I could have and the babies we could make would be amazing, yeah? So... <laughs> The, the, you know, the, the context also matters. Yeah. If this is something that we're that is inbuilt within us, where does it all come from? It all comes from the brain. Yeah, it all comes from the brain. So your brain is a very ugly piece of mush in your head. Uh, we've, we've drawn a very lovely, colourful picture of it to, to separate the uh, different parts of the brain. But very simply, um, your emotions are driven by the oldest part of your brain which is the limbic system. Okay. The limbic system is 150 million years old. Wow, I didn't realise yeah. I was that old. Yeah, you are that old. Yeah. You behave like you're that old as well sometimes. Um, some of you, the scientists out there, might know it as the paleomammalian cortex. 
uh, but we like to call it the limbic system because it's something that people can remember. But the limbic system ultimately drives your emotions, yeah, which is what where the fright or uh, the fight or flight concept comes from. You know, oh, you, okay, yeah, most people would that, understand that. Yeah, yeah, so you get the the we're wired for emotion. The limbic system is wired for emotion, and so that when we're we're faced with uh, fear, we run, yeah, or we fight. Even today, yeah, uh, hundreds of millions of years later, our limbic system is still the dominant part of our brain. Yeah, sometimes you have a conversation with someone or an argument with someone. Yeah, let's let's pretend you're all married and you're having an argument with your husband or with your wife, and they're just making no sense, and it's like, you know, they're they're completely emotional, and there's lots of screaming and yelling, and the logic's gone out the window, and you're like, what? the hell is wrong with them? What does that even mean? Yeah, I think we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. That is the limbic system in control. Right. Right. So the logic has flown out the window and now we're completely emotional and responding and reacting to that emotion. Yeah. Now, the much more recent, maybe 500,000 years old, very young part of your brain, is your prefrontal cortex, which is essentially at the front of your brain, right? Just behind your for- your forehead. And the prefrontal cortex is wired for logic, logic, decision making, yeah? and uh, that ultimately is what people use to uh, drive decision making around um, things that might be mathematical or that might be um, uh, structural. Uh, lots of engineers, for example, have a, a dominant prefrontal cortex. So. Your ability to understand and be conscious of which part of your brain is operating at any given time is a really brilliant way to start to uh, decipher the uh, motivation behind the way you make decisions or behind the way that you behave. Mm. Yeah, you find yourself in a situation where you're always, you know, you become a little bit illogical and irrational. You know, we, or some of us have got phobias. I'm a claustrophobic, for example. My limbic system c- takes complete control of me when I'm in an MRI machine. Yeah, I know I'm not going to get swallowed up. I know I'm not going to suffocate. I know I'm not going to die. So the prefrontal cortex is there, but the limbic system, the 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 messages coming from the limbic system are just too powerful. Mm. They they overwhelm the messages coming from the prefrontal cortex. And so some of us, regardless of the consciousness of it, won't be able to change it. Yeah. You know, people that have got a fear of height. Yeah. My mate Mike stands in, you know, we, we back in the um, early 90s, actually, 1994, stood in the Twin Towers in New York. And uh, I leant with my body weight onto the window. So my forehead was on the window and I just leant forward. And I he, would freak out yeah, if you did well, that. Well, he was me. freaking out. He's yeah. like, you're going to die. Blame him. Like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? Look at this glass. Um, so uh, it's illogical. Yeah, That's completely his limbic system taking over. My prefrontal cortex told me that I was completely safe and, and I could understand that quite comfortably. <laughs> so... Um, when I talk to people about the psychology of decision-making, we talk about the consciousness of um, what's driving that decision in any particular, in any particular uh, period or in any particular uh, um, environment. Yeah? Um, and the more uh, variables, the more uncertain variables that are around, the more likely they are to tap into your limbic system. Mm. Yeah? The less the prefrontal cortex has to deal with, the easier it is for it to take over. Yeah. So, for example, when you're going through a COVID period and you want to make a decision and there's so many variables, health, jobs, 
you know, uh, lockdowns, uh, no travel, not seeing your loved ones, you know, everything, the, the complete change in the structure of your life. There are so many variables being thrown at you that your limbic system is just, you know, out of control. Yeah. It's in it's in overdrive. And your prefrontal cortex, therefore, will struggle to manage those emotions and, and most of the time won't. And quite often, you know, over the years, I've been in a meeting with a client who, who says to me, you know what, Tony, this all makes so much sense, but I just can't do it. Mm. Yeah? And they can't explain why they can't do it. I can explain why they can't do it, but they can't explain why they can't do it. Yeah? And that doesn't happen very often because most people, when you walk them through a process, their prefrontal cortex will take over. Yeah. yeah? But next time you're having an argument with your girlfriend, Owen, just stop her and say, listen, I am just sick to death of you diving into your limbic system and your paleomammalian cortex and driving the agenda of this argument and just see how that goes for you. Mm, I'll call an ambulance before. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Have it on have it on standby. A lot of people don't invest yep. because they have a uh, a huge fear in what could go wrong. And it's it, sometimes it's easier to do nothing. Well, which it, is it's not sometimes easier to do nothing. It's always easier to do nothing. And the only time it's, which it's the only time you will work out that that wasn't the easiest thing to do is thirty or forty years down yeah, the track. The long term. Yeah. The yeah. long term. It's not the easiest yeah. thing to do. I mean, it's a loaded question. I know the answer to it, yeah. but but <laughs> gaining the right knowledge is undoubtedly the best way to overcome this. Essentially, what you're doing with the knowledge is that you're um, lubing up your uh, prefrontal cortex. You're you're sweet talking your prefrontal cortex. Yeah, the logical part of your brain. You're saying to your logical part of your brain, "Hey, Jimmy, we need to make a good decision here." Here are all the facts and figures that help you to take control of the brain and send the limbic system back into its box so that we can end up making a decision that's going to impact us in a positive way in the future. Yeah? So the data and the information and the logic uh, helps people to restore the balance that they need between their limbic system and their prefrontal cortex in order to be able to make that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, applying more focus on what the logical part of the brain needs in order to be able to make what is and should be a more logical decision. So a large part of the uh, of the knowledge that we should seek for, you know, let's keep on, on topic here of, of growing wealth, yeah. right, is knowledge that is, um, is not um, fear-based, Yep, but it is motivating you from what you can achieve from this. Uh, look, I, I've no problem with people being afraid. Okay, most people are. That's the truth. And what people don't want to tell you sometimes is, Tony, you know what? I know it all makes sense, but I'm scared. So you need to be able to, able to ask them the right questions so that they can tell you that they're scared. Yeah, it's no problem being scared. I forgive people that are scared. Yeah, the people I don't forgive are the people that don't do anything about it, right? Because they are their older, the older version of themselves is going to hate them mm. for never putting themselves in a position to get what they needed to manage the fear, yeah? So I'm afraid and most of the time fear comes from the lack of knowledge or the misunderstanding of knowledge or misinterpretation of information. And so what I always say to people that are scared is get the knowledge you need to manage the fear, yeah? Get the knowledge that you need to manage the fear. 
And I, I'm an anxious personality, as you know, mm. and I've battled anxiety all my life. And many years ago, one of my mentors said to me, you need to catastrophize. So you need to roll the problem out all the way to the end. All right? So let's assume that what you're afraid of actually happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? So you go, okay, well, I'm going to invest and I'm going to – the market's not going to go so well and it's going to take longer for me to – you know, get a uh, for it to grow in value, and maybe I'm not going to have a tenant for a while. And then, well, how am I going to manage my, you know, the pay- repayments while I've got no rent? And blah blah blah. And I roll it all the way out, and then at the end, I realise I'm actually not dead. Nobody that I love is dead, and all of those challenges that have struck fear in my soul uh, are manageable. Mm. And uh, if I have the right relationships with the right people, if I've done my numbers properly, and if I'm a, and if and if every the decision is made on a sound financial uh, basis, then all of those things can be managed. And I guess the, the, um, something that you and I um, both talk about when we present is um, is knowing your numbers beforehand. Correct. Well, you know, we generally deal with the clients of financial uh, financial professionals. And the reason I built the business that way was because I didn't want people to be getting overexcited about property. Property is a vehicle that's going to help you to become wealthy over time. But property can also send you broke overnight. Mm. By the right property that you can't afford, oh, sorry, the wrong property that you can't afford, well, that's going to send you broke. Yeah? So... Uh, before you even embark on the conversation about property, you need to embark on the conversation about numbers. You need to know your numbers. What can I borrow? What can I afford? What does my buffer look like? What happens if A happens? What happens if B happens? What happens if C happens? So for us, the stress testing clients' environments is a critical part of our process. That's mm. why it's so important. Yeah? Because if the inevitable uh, COVID uh, environment hits or the GFC or the uh, – Royal Commission into banking or, you know, the recession we had to have or whatever, the challenges that we're going to face along the way, and we will. Yeah. Then we know if we've done our work up front around our numbers and we've stress-tested our environment that we will get through those periods. Yeah? And most Australians don't build enough wealth because they don't make the right decision up front. And when they do make a good decision, they bail too early because they panic. And nobody ever makes a good decision when they panic. And the more, the clearer you were when you made the decision around the stress testing environment and what could and couldn't go wrong, the more your prefrontal cortex will help you maintain that decision. Mm. Yeah. And instead of slipping back into your limbic system. So that's a re- really important part of the, of the process that we take with clients, so that they're nice and clear about all of that stuff. Yeah? Very important because. Uh, in environments like the one COVID's presented us and the, the one we're in now where, where interest rates have, have risen um, more than than any of us anticipated, it's about giving clients the ability to hold their nerve. Hold your nerve. Because if you hold your nerve, you will find that you'll get over the hill, rents will continue to rise, interest rates will fall, prices will start to rise, and you'll be rewarded for that. Mm. Yeah. So holding your nerve and having the information you need to help you to make that decision is very important. I really like your comment of um, rolling the, uh, the the worry out in yeah, front cata- of you. Catastrophizing, we call it. 
you were someone that taught me years ago, never make a decision based on fear. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've, you know, held on to. Um, and it's very easy to, uh, to fire off in the wrong direction sometimes. Yep. Um, but if you've, if you've thought about these things and realised what you're doing, um, and the other thing that we both talk to people about is also having the right people in your corner. So building a team of no, people. No so question. That's absolutely critical. You don't have to make all these decisions on your own. Absolutely critical. Like, oh, actually, it bamboozles me how many people go out there and try and do things by themselves, mm. you know, buy their own property, go straight to the bank and get money. And like the difference between the haves and the have-nots in life is a little bit of advice from the right person and the right support. Yeah. So for me, I wouldn't dream – of um, repairing my own shoulder if I if I tore a muscle, I would go and try and get the best surgeon who's got the best support in the best network in the best hospital and, and have them do it. But you could Google that. Well, I could Google it. I don't think yeah. I'd do a very good job. <laughs> um, so uh, I think for me that, that one's a no-brainer and it's one that uh, I think people don't uh, pay enough respect to. Yeah, building a good team. And for those of you who are listening, who are into sports, you know, there's an old saying in rugby league in defence, you know, he tried to solve a problem by himself, which means he ran out of the line, tried to make a tackle, missed that tackle, left a hole, and then the other team scored. So we know that if you have a team that is working in unison, uh, headed towards the same goal, and everybody holds their nerve and sticks to the plan – that team is in inevitably more successful. Mm. And when you have teams who have got individuals who are firing off in their own direction, uh, trying to solve problems by themselves, uh, they end up not being such a good team and, you know, you see that every year. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for coming in and sharing all of that. Um, it's been a wonderful talk. We will get you My back pleasure. again um, just to focus on then purely the psychology of things as well, which is a, a, a fascinating topic. So thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the like button, flick it over to your friends. I think everybody can learn something from today's and we will see you again next week for another edition of the Clever Investor Podcast. You have been listening to the Clever Investor Podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders. Blue Wealth Property. Blue Wealth have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wealth have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au. Hello, Clever Investors, and welcome to another show. You can't put the glass down on the table when we do this. We're going to have some great out. Uh, why didn't so you demanding. Get, why didn't you get that morning breakfast? Where's Gavin? Show? Gavin, help. <laughs> Child. <laughs> yeah. Worse, worse than yes. having Gavin in here, seriously. <laughs> no, Gavin's a goat, mate. <laughs> He's the OG. All right. Ready? Yep. Ready. All right. Take two.